All right, thank you. I appreciate that so much, Brother Kevin. That's tremendous, and that's, that's good. Our God is near. Our text is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I see that uh, the people that sit right in this middle row on my left, they go out of town for Thanksgiving, okay? Because <laughs> that's not as full as it normally is. So, uh, But uh, uh, next year, everybody invite your relatives to come, okay? <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, Thanksgiving, that's the thing about everybody gets together and family, you haven't seen them all year, so you get them back together. Then you realize, why well, you only see them once a year. And um, those things uh, are, it is great, though, to get together with family and enjoy the time of fellowship together. Well, let's go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And in Acts 1, we read this, verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now shall we pray. Father, We thank you for this word of yours, and we're thankful, Lord, that we live in a country where we still have the freedom to preach it and to spread it without fear of of a government trying to stop it. Thank you, Lord, and thank you for that opportunity in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We must be a thanks-living church in today's unthankful society a society that is really unthankful spiritually as well as secularly. Uh, we live in a generation that seems to have grown up over a couple of generations who believe that they are owed a living. It's kind of a give me, you owe it to me attitude. I think of in the Bible, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, God saves this man. And he says, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, then he says, I restore him fourfold. That man got things right with God and right with others, but he also had a benevolent heart, a giving heart, because when Christ comes in, he makes such a difference in your life. I think of the uh, woman uh, who washed the feet of Jesus with her hair and then dry, uh, with her tears, should I say, and then dries them with her hair. I think of the one leper out of the ten that were healed that turns and goes back to give Jesus thanks for the healing while the others just went on their way. Biblical thanksgiving seems to be that which is truly in heart thankful. It gives thanks, but it also wants to serve God a serving thanks. Not only a verbal thanks, but a serving thanks. Why do we want to do that? Because we can never serve him enough, but would be fun to try, but we can never serve him enough or perform enough deeds that could ever be able to repay what the Lord has done for us, not even in a thousand lifetimes. He has purchased our salvation by his own blood on the cross. He died for us, and then he rose from the dead. None of us can die and raise ourselves from the dead. 
We needed a Savior. We needed someone that would pay the penalty of eternal damnation in a lake of fire. And my friend, Jesus paid it all. He did that for us. And yet, even though he paid a great price, he did it out of a greater love. We're told in the Bible and everything to give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And and we should. But we also should show it by our thankful deeds. In 1 John chapter 3 verse 18 he says, Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. It's easy to say thank you and not mean it. But deed and truth shows that you do actually mean it. So we want to be that kind of a church. We want to be that kind of a people. The thanks living church is not what religious people actually clamor for today. That is to be a thanks living church, but rather a receiving church. That only receives, it gets entertained, gets everything it wants and fulfills its desires, but it's never giving. See, that's only a righteous church that would do that. It's only righteous people who would do that. They desire today excitement, the cutting edge of the 21st century, and they want everything that goes just like the world does so that they will be loved and liked by the world. It's interesting to me, almost every week I receive either email or snail mail that uh, advertises uh, programs that if you'll get these programs, It'll, it'll really help. I mean, it, it'll make your uh, church uh, staff more efficient. It'll make your people love their church much more. If it takes a program instead of Christ in our hearts to be more efficient and to love our church more, we've got a problem. We have got a spiritual problem. And usually, people aren't aware that they do. How many have found out they got cancer in stage four and didn't know there was no signs of it? I mean, they didn't have aches. They didn't have pains. All of a sudden, they find out they've got a cancer. It's terminal. They weren't aware of it. Unfortunately, there are Christians that have made their spiritual lives terminal, not about eternity with Christ in heaven, but they've made their spiritual life terminal in what can be accomplished for Jesus Christ because they're unaware of that growing hardness to the spiritual things of God. Yes, we want to be a thanks-living church. If it takes that program, then, friend, you have no inkling of what God's holy love is. In the last days, we're told that they do not endure sound doctrine. God said that, and we're witnessing that today. Uh, You know... People want to feel good about their pleasures and about everything they do that, you know, I enjoy doing this, so don't make me feel bad about it. And, and that's the attitude. Make me feel good. If you must be entertained by music, by programs, then I can tell you on the authority of God's word, you're not walking in the spirit. You're not walking according To the word of God. You're only walking in religion. If we must turn to the world. To build a church. If we must turn. To 
the things that appeal to the flesh. We only have a religion. We only build a religion, but not a transformed holy life in Jesus Christ. And that's the goal, by the way. That's the goal. A transformed holy life in Christ. We must quit relying on seminars and programs to build the local church. Rather, God designed a way. He's already got a program. Designed it years ago. Over 2,000 years ago. It is built through fervent prayer and holy commitment to the word of God regardless of the circumstances. I was reading a quote this week and I think it was by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And and I, I'm not real sure but uh, he said this. People want are prone to chisel their their problems, their trials, their tribulations in stone, but to write our blessings in sand. And isn't that true? Isn't that true? You see, and if that's the case with us, we will not have a holy commitment to the word and will of God, and we will not be a light in this dark world. We can have a religious light that has the flavor of religion, but not the life-transforming holy power of God in our personal lives. We're out to bring the world to Jesus Christ. We're out to help Christians go from the unholy to the holy, from the unrighteous to the righteous. And my friend, we can only do that through a commitment to Jesus Christ that doesn't rest upon the reaction of people, but rather on the hope of pleasing God. Yes, I'm tired of seminars which speaks, especially to our younger pastors, and encouraging them, you've got to read other books. You've got to read authors that tell you about business, and about life, and about promotion, and about this, and about psychology, and philosophy and you need to read these books and they press that impress that more than they do the word of God they don't want you to address subjects such as abortion homosexual marriages homosexuality itself they don't want you to address things as immodesty or disrespect for God and his house I will tell you, I'm not about what they are. We're not about psychology. We're not about philosophy. We're not about this phony doctrine. And I, it is phony, okay? Without apology from me, it is a phony doctrine of Calvinism that tells people, you are, you are predestined either heaven or hell. You have nothing to do with it. And yet the Bible says, whosoever so many times, the Bible says that, Uh, He shed his blood not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Quit calling God a liar. Instead of a man's philosophy, build your faith on the word of God. You know, I, I was talking to a Calvinist one time, and they believed in the perseverance of the saints. I don't believe in that. 
Now, we call it eternal security, but it's not because we persevere. It's because the Lord has saved us forever when we receive him as Savior. If this depends on my perseverance, I'm going to go to hell wide open. I need a Savior, and Jesus Christ is that Savior, and he's not only my Savior, he keeps. The problem with that, though, is that we get us, and this happens with Baptists, by the way. Okay. And it's just as wrong, it's just as dumb, it's just as silly, but they go and say, well, you know what? I've heard those Calvinists. And some of them say, well, oh, you messed up in your life, so you probably really didn't get saved. You need to repent. And that, oh, you didn't do this, so you need, and so they, in reaction to Calvinists saying, you didn't really get saved, they, they swing all the way over to the other side, and they preach easy believism. Oh, repentance is not a part of salvation. Oh, then you need to go back in Mark chapter 1 and tell Jesus how wrong he was for preaching repentance and faith. Because the Bible says clearly that's what he preached. Now, was Jesus a liar and wrong, or do they have it wrong about no repentance and salvation? Listen, you don't get saved without faith, and you don't get saved without repentance. That's why in Acts 17, 30 and 31, God commands all men everywhere to repent. But you know what I like about that? God has commanded all men. That means it's open. Why would he give us a command if it's not open for us? He's commanded all men everywhere to repent. And my friend, that means there's always a way of salvation. Now, if I'm going to read a book, then I'm going to read the Bible. It's going to be the, if I'm going to read a book besides the Bible, it's going to be by a spirit-filled man that has a burden to get God's message from the Bible that's in his heart. But it's not going to be about a capital, how can we get more money out of the people campaign? Consulting firms will, if you pay them enough, they'll inspire your people to build a para or a mega church. But it will not be immersed in strong Bible doctrine because they realize that people will not endure sound doctrine. Listen how the Bible describes it of the last days in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Uh, what are some of those fables? Well, Revelation 3, 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, thou Hast to name that thou livest and art dead. You see, when you look at the seven churches of Revelation chapters 2 and 3, some people have mistakenly said, okay, if Ephesus is the first church, that represents from uh, 100 A.D. to such and such a date A.D., and then the next church represents that period from this A.D. to that. No. Those seven churches are showing us problems that are still evident even to this day from all seven churches. And, and they're manifest, and they're things that we as a local church have to guard against. Sardis, it was the church that, that said, hey, they have a name that thou livest. But God says, you're dead. What, what do you mean? They're, they're, oh, yeah, this is a live church, man. That's the church, everything's happening in it. Boy, boy, that's where you need to be, man. It's live, boy, it's going. You know what happens, though? When a new guy comes in town, there's a new living church that's alive. And so what I'm saying is, stick with the word. Stick with commitment. 
Stick with God's way, God's will all the time. In Revelation chapter 3, verses uh, 16 and 17, uh, as a matter of fact, he says there in verse 15, God says, I would that you were either cold or hot, but instead you're lukewarm. Then he goes on to say in verses 16 and 17, following that, So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich and I am increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art miserable and poor, and blind, and naked, and he also said wretched. He, he said, why would he say, I'd rather either be cold or hot? And, and again, that's something that gets misunderstood. People say, well, you shouldn't be a cold Christian, but God would rather either be cold rather than to be lukewarm. No, that's not what he means. In, in Laodicea, there were hot springs and there were cold springs. Hot springs that go and they'd set in those waters to heal the body. And, and, and they were therapeutic, and they would really help. There were cold springs that they would go to that would refresh the body. And, and, and they both worked for good health benefits. And what the Lord's trying to say, I want you to be hot in evangelism because they need to be saved. And so he's after those souls to be saved. And so we come with the hot blood of Jesus Christ uh, bubbling up to bring souls to the Savior. But the Great Commission says to win them, then to teach them. Win them, baptize them, then teach them to observe all that I've commanded. And so the cold, refreshing waters of the Word of God to build the Christian, to refresh them in Jesus Christ. And so we have the Word of God. And so God's not saying, well, I'd rather at least be cold than lukewarm. No, God never says it's good to be cold. If you're thinking of it as just a hardened Christian not doing anything for the Lord. No, God says, I want you to either be hot or cold, like for you to be both, really. But he says, either be hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm about your faith. So again, that's the Great Commission, and it's what we're to do. We're to edify the believers. Look, God doesn't want us, doesn't want us just to be a routine Christianity. He wants our marriage to him to be a loving marriage. A marriage of love that just keeps on growing in Christ Jesus. The bottom line is this. God's word, prayer, uh, the leading of the Holy Ghost in your life to ultimately, above all, to glorify God is our goal. In Revelation chapter 4 verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou has created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. The last day's church should not be, although evidently it is in many places, should not be marked by greed or rock concert type of a religion, nor are pastors trying to build themselves little empires that will build their ego as they set as emperors over that little empire they believe they have. You see, that is not a servant's heart. Second Corinthians 4, 5, and 6, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. 
and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God also who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, the light that we show is not to be our own light, it's to be the light of Jesus Christ that shines on him, that glorifies God. That's the light that we're to show. That is the light we're to shine for his names. Now, you know, I like Sundays in which we have Roundup Sunday. I like the special meetings as a revival. I like the missions conferences. I like even the campaigns in which we emphasize a specific doctrine as well as a service uh, that reaches out uh, for other souls. Now, you see, the reason for all of those things is to glorify God. And it is to teach us his love, his person, and to fulfill his desires. We want to learn in the way of righteousness and true holiness. And it's up to each one of us as individual members of the part of the family of God, uh, no matter where we are as part of the family of God in his local church to decide if we want to, to glorify a holy God or just go with the flow of religion. But it's a decision that you make. Therefore, as we see a new year is approaching to us, it's not far away. Don't wait to make commitments when it comes to your relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't wait on those commitments. Start now reading through the Bible. We have it on our website that you can read it through in 30, 36 weeks. You just get on our website, centralbaptistocala.org, and in the left-hand column, read the Bible through in 36 weeks. You can get on there, and you can know how to go through the Bible in 36 weeks. Commit yourself to an hour a day, at least, with the Lord. Look, people spend an hour, whether it's Facebook or other social media, TV, sports, what have they, they spend an hour a day doing things for which they're not getting paid. They just do it. Why is it we got an hour and even hours for those things, but we can't find time to be in God's Word? See, that identifies our thankfulness, whether it's real or not. Saying thank you is not loving God in word, I mean in deed and in truth. It's rather just a word. Sounds good. Makes us feel good to say that. Thank you, Lord. But what really pleases the Lord is deed and in truth. So get to know him. Get to know his person. You know, the Bible tells us about him. As you read the Bible and meditate in it, you get to know his person. You know what's good for him. You, you know what's good to him. There are things that you know not to do even if you don't know a scripture because you know that he's a holy God and you know that he would not approve of that so you don't do it because you've gotten to know him by the study of the word of God. Let God introduce you to the very inner man of God, the, the very person, his very person. And that introduction and that person that you get to know will always be in righteousness and true holiness. Now, if you ask God to show you his person, ask him to show you his grace as well, because it'll make you very down on yourself when you see yourself compared to him. 
What I'm saying is that if you're going to have a thanks living life, it can't be by casualness. Can't be by convenience. Rather, we start out with the goal to be conformed to the image of Christ Jesus our Lord. We start out to be conformed to that image. And if we're going to do that, we do it by commitment, consecrated living with a willingness for him to conform us to that image. Which is what God wants to conform you to. Romans 8, 29 For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now understand, that's not written to unsaved, that's written to us as saved people that are saved. From the moment you're saved, the next work the Lord is doing in your heart, and sometimes you wonder, why do these trials, that's what Romans chapter 8 is about, all these trials and tribulations that we have, those things come into our life. And God is trying to conform us to the image of His Son. You and I will never on this earth suffer what Christ suffered. But those sufferings that you do have conform you to the image of Christ. That image will always be holy. And is there anything wrong with that? So to be a thanks-living church... It must begin with thanks-living people who want to be conformed to Jesus Christ. And it's not through casualness. My comforts, but it's rather through a loving commitment to Christ. To be a church of the Great Commission, we must all be involved. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He laid it out for us. First, be a witness. Be a witness where you are. Get uh, the plan of salvation out. Look, we have salvation tracks. They're free to take. Read them. Find Read the various tracts that we have, and you might find one that you say, you know what, I, I would be more likely if I was unsaved to get saved by that, that track. There, look, the gospel is the gospel. Some people respond to one track more than they do another track. But you want the gospel in a track. Read it yourself. Read them several times. You may pick up on something in your own personal witness. We had a thing here not too long ago or several years ago now where you just read the track to somebody. And souls got saved as a result of that. But whether you read it or whatever, uh, get the track out uh, personally. Get them out here uh, in town. Look, we have CDs. The plan of salvation, again, is on our website, centralbaptistocala.org. And and it's, it's, uh, what, about 14, 15, 16-minute plan of salvation is there. We have those in our bookstore at a dollar a a CD, but you can just download it, burn it to a CD yourself from your own computer. They're free that way. But just think, you burn that to it, you, you can call somebody and say, hey, I want to take you out for coffee, I want to take you out for a meal or whatever, and they get in the car with you, and you got it up at 50 mile an hour, they're not going to step out of the car. And, and, and you say, look, look, this is very important to me, would you listen to this with me for the next 15 minutes. It's very important that you do. Pray the plan of salvation. They might get saved. 
If they don't get saved, you may plant the seed in their heart. Uh, we, I, in our neighborhood, one year, it's been a few years ago, just went ahead and got about 100 copies of those things. Got a Christmas bag, put a little card in there, a little letter from me that said, hey, I'm your neighbor. Would love to have you come to our church and so forth. But uh, you may have your own church, but I would like to have this gift of how you can go to heaven in there. If you listen to it by yourself or whatever, you can do that. You know, and I just went door to door, hanging on doors. But you can be a witness without even being there in your neighborhood just by putting out a plan of salvation. In Jerusalem, Judea, you got to reach out. And so we, we get our radio station, for example, WTYG. Enlist businesses to do underwrite some of the programs. Hey, look, they, they not only get it tax-free, it's a free advertising in a sense for them, but it gets the Word of God out uh, in the community. Get involved in visitation. It, you say, man, I'm scared to death. Well, see Brother Josh and he'll team you up with somebody that will lead with you. Brother Gary Jupri will take you out, whatever it is. But uh, get involved. We've got bus ministry. And then out to the world, we have faith promise. Right now, we've reached our limit on faith promise. We can't do any more unless we have more people giving. But faith promise. Always have tracks with you. Not only ask God to help you, but ask him what he would have you to do. Ask him to increase you to do more for him. Look, we have mission prayer band on Wednesday night. Come to mission prayer band. Pray with the missionaries. You say, I can't be there at that time. Then get see Brother Fury. Get, get missionary letters for which to pray. Uh, pray for your church. Pray for your pastor. You sat here long enough this morning to know that you need to pray for me. So, uh, look, on our website, again, left-hand column there. CentralBaptistOcala.org, booklet by Dr. Andy Bloom. If you look on it, it will have how to pray. Teach us to pray, I think is what it says. That's what the Lord had to do for his disciples. He had to teach them how to pray. And it'll tell you how to pray for the pastor and, and to pray for the fellow church members, for various ministries of the church. It tells you how to pray. Get it and do it. As senior citizens, I can say this now, I are one, okay? Senior citizens, if, if, if you're retired and you've got that extra time, and you're trying to figure out, why, why, why not use that time for prayer? And, and there are things on how to pray. And it's biblical. It's scriptural. We give a scriptural reason throughout on how to pray for your church. Then by a holy life. For the Lord said, be ye holy, for I am holy. Let us not be saved people, but our lives go against the very testimony that we should have. Let's not turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Let's be a thanks-living church, but we can only be that through thanks-living Christians. Get to know Him, love Him, serve Him, and do it in a way that shows God your loving thanks. Now, let me close it by saying this. We can't be a thanks-living person until we have Jesus Christ as our Savior. 
Because then you only have religious works, and works will not save you. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You're not going to save yourself through your works. You're not going to go to heaven just because one day you said, Well, I said this prayer, Lord, save me, amen, and I'm going to heaven now. I can live like I want to. No, you didn't repent. You say, you mean repent means I've got to turn, stop doing this, stop doing that? No, repent means you're turning to Jesus Christ. You're giving your life to him. If you're turning to Jesus Christ, guess what? You're turning from the world. If you turn to Jesus Christ, you're turning from yourself. And you're trusting that his shed blood on the cross. He shed that blood, dying for every sin you ever have or ever will commit. He was buried and rose up victoriously over hell and death. Only he has the keys of hell and death, Revelation 1.18 says. If you're going to go to heaven, it's only going to be through Christ. As I mentioned preaching the funeral here the other day. And I say this at all the funerals. You're either here today to say goodbye or see you later. And this week, your life ends. Will people be coming by to say goodbye or will they be coming by to say see you later because you're in Christ and they're in Christ? Without Christ, your eternity is in a lake of fire where you never cease to exist, but you never pass away. What is it for you today? Let's bow our heads.